In the past couple of months, I've given four or five different videos on the creation. Um, we view that differently than 99.999% of the world. We understand that in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that that is not God creating the physical planet at that time. The physical planet already existed. What God is creating is a heaven and earth where he lives and God is a spirit. Jesus said in John 4, 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is creating a place, a world, a garden, a kingdom, a church, a sanctuary, if you will, where his people can dwell with him and live with him and walk with him and enjoy the tree of life. Now, these things are spiritual, folks. Jesus said that he came to give us the saving of our souls, not our physical bodies. And the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3 said, when this salvation comes, it would be the restitution of all things as it was in the beginning of the creation. Back to the garden. When we get salvation, things will be like it was back in the beginning before the fall of man when Adam and his bride walked in the garden with God before they were expelled from the garden by partaking of the bad fruit. Now, obviously, friends, that's not talking about physical things. I mean, you say, well, yeah, that is. No, no, it cannot be. Because God created a spiritual place for his people that where he would have relationship with them in a world that he lives in. God does not live in darkness, people. He does not live in among sinners. You know, the whole world says, well, God's everywhere. No, he's not. Oh, don't you believe that for a second? That is a devil's lie. They say, well, we're all the children of God. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, no. Well, well, man was made in the image of God. Oh, no, 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 no. You're getting it all messed up. Hang on here. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, the Bible says, for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. By faith, we become the children of God. Listen to me carefully. Non-Christians are not children of God. Did you hear that? Let me repeat it. Non-Christians are not children of God. And 99% of the world today that calls itself Christian are non-Christian. They truly are not real Christians. But, but we're created in the image of God. Yeah, but God's a spirit. Hello? Do you think God is six foot four with, uh, with black hair and blue eyes? Looks like Rock Hudson or, or John Wayne or something. I mean, I don't know. Do you think that's what he is? Are we all made in that image? I'm certainly not. I'm 5'10, got gray hair, got a belly, little jelly belly going. Got to lose it, but that's what I got. That's the image of God in your mind. <laughs> you better, you, you best stop thinking that way. God's a spirit. Now, the image of Steve Bazden that's made now in the image of God is I came back to life. I was born again of the water and the spirit when I became a Christian. Now, I'm a child of God. Now, I'm made in his image. Now, he made me a new creation in him. 
That's what Genesis chapter 1 through 3 is all about. The creation of a world where people could enter into relationship with God. Now, if you want more information on this, go back, watch our last few videos, okay? Go back. We're on Rumble. You go to Rumble. You go to Rumble search bar. In the Rumble search bar, you type in spirit and life. All one word. Spirit and life. You will find, if you go back three, four, five, six weeks, I have them all titled. In the beginning, God created what? More on Genesis 1 through 3, if you dare. Those are a couple of the titles. Today, today what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring you a lesson on Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Now, what I'm doing today, there has been arguments that have been made that there are two different creation accounts in Genesis. That's an argument that I have heard, that I have dealt with, and I'm happy to continue to deal with it. It is, on the surface, an argument that seems valid, because what we have going in Genesis 1 and 2, and we're going to get into it in detail in just a few moments, but just quickly, we have, in Genesis 1, God creating things on day 1, God creating things on day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6, man is created. You know, day four, he, he creates the plant life, right? The herbs of the field and the grass and the trees. And, and day five, he creates the, the great fish and the fowl of the air. And day six, he creates the beast and mankind. Well, in Genesis 2, you have an exact reverse order of that creation. In Genesis 2, you find man being the first thing. Man, I'm going to say that with quotation marks. I may get into that, I may not. And then you find the beast of the field. And then you find the grass and the herbs and the trees. And then you find it's the exact opposite order given there. And so some people think they're real smart, you see. They think they're just genius. And they say, well, okay, since there's an order here that begins with the sun and then the stars, the moon, and then and then it goes on down to the grass and then it makes the animals and then mankind. And then in Genesis 2, it's mankind and then those other things come. Well, obviously, Steve, the order's inverted. It's reversed. So there's two different creations there. No. 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 And again, no. Now let me show. Let me prove. Let me prove to you what I'm saying. And I always go extemporaneously. I really don't have... Today I took just a couple of notes, but the best way to approach this is subjective to some degree. But on the cuff, on the surface, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to begin in the New Testament. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, if you're following along with me in your Bibles, um, open up to Romans chapter 4. And if you're following me on Rumble, you should be able to see those passages. I have it up now on your screen. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Steve, why are you talking about Genesis 1 and 2, but you're reading from Romans? Well, because the New Testament sheds more light on the Old Testament. The New Testament is bringing into fruition all of the types and shadows of the Old Testament. Many times, if you want to understand 
phrases and words of the Old Testament, you can go to the New Testament and find their very definition there. And in like manner, Paul is giving us information in Romans chapter 4 about things that happened way back in the book of Genesis. Yeah, the book of Genesis. So isn't that where we're at, Genesis 1 and 2? Uh-huh. Well, Paul's going to start talking to us about things that happened in Genesis 12, but it is something that is profound that God has done from the very beginning, from Genesis 1 until Revelation 22. God speaks in this way. It's on the screen now. Follow along, if you will. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, Now listen carefully, friends, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Let me repeat that. God calls those things which be not as though they were. And and Paul here is using something God said to Abraham to illustrate what he means. What does that mean? He calls things which be not as if they were. Well, God told Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, God told Abraham that long before he became the father of many nations. He told Abraham that before Abraham started having children. God said, I have, present tense, right now, made you a father of many nations. And he did it before he was the father of many nations. Now, Paul explains it like this. God caused those things which be not as though they were. In the scholarly realm of those who study the Bible, This is known as a prolepsis. It's called the already but not yet. The already but not yet. God calls those things which be not as if they are, as if they were. Now, follow me for a moment. Since God cannot lie, and he says, there's going to be a kingdom. Well, okay. That is an absolute truth. It's as good as done. Period. If God said there's going to be, well, there is. (laughs) It's going to happen. And he's able to call those things which be not as if they were. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, it will be on your screen here in just a moment. In Colossians chapter 1, the verse is 13. If you want to scroll down there. uh, with me on Rumble, or if you're reading in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul wrote, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Present tense. Present tense, people. Paul wrote that the Christians at the church of Colossae have been delivered from the power of darkness, the no more darkness, and hath been translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Present tense. 
The kingdom was there when Paul said that. Paul said, you have been translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Paul said that. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, John wrote, me being in the tribulation and in the kingdom. He was in the kingdom then. But in Luke chapter 21, verse 31, Jesus said the kingdom was still coming. Jesus said that kingdom would come when they would see Jerusalem being encompassed with armies. 2,000 years ago, after Paul had said that they were already in the kingdom, Jesus said the kingdom was coming when they would see Jerusalem encompassed with armies. That's on your screen. And when you shall see Jerusalem encompassed with armies... Then know the desolation thereof is nigh. Verse 22, For these be the days of vengeance, when all things which are written may be fulfilled. When? When they would see Jerusalem compassed with armies. What's going to happen? Well, he's going to come in the clouds. He's going to come in the glory of the Father. He's going to come with redemption. Verse 28, verse 29, right? But in verse 31, he says, So likewise, when you see all these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. When you see all what things? Jerusalem being compassed with armies. What's going to happen? The kingdom of God is going to come. Wait a minute. I thought it was already here. No, you wait a minute. Paul said, God is able to call those things which be not as if they were. They had a kingdom, but they were receiving a kingdom. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, the apostle Paul wrote that Jesus Christ had abolished death. No more death. Ah. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said God still had to destroy death. They already, but not yet. They had it. It's in promise of God. It's as good as done, but it had not yet come. The Bible says they had salvation. Luke 19, 9. Jesus said, now has salvation come unto you. Luke chapter 19, verse 9. But in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, the Hebrew writer there wrote that unto us that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin unto salvation. They had not yet received salvation. But Jesus said that salvation had already come. Which is it, people? Which is it? If both are true, and that's my argument. That's my contention. Both are true. God does not lie. God does not contradict himself. Then we must figure out how it works. What's he doing here? What God is doing here is he is bringing in a new kingdom. He's bringing in salvation. He's destroying death. And he starts at one particular point when he starts revealing the process of how it's being done and what's being done, and people start to believe it, Start people start to live by it, and they start to abide by it, and therefore they are attaining it, but yet was still to come. They were in this transition. You see, in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus would say that since the preaching of John, the kingdom of God is preached and all men everywhere presseth into it. So from the preaching of John the Baptist, people were getting into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if I cast out the demons 
by the power of God, then has the kingdom come unto you. And he was. He was casting out demons by the power of God. So the kingdom was there before even Pentecost. Oh, yeah. For sure. No doubt. Now, people, they were entering into this kingdom, and the kingdom is the house of God. Okay? Follow me for a moment. The kingdom is the house of God. Make no mistake. The kingdom is the church. Jesus said, I will give unto thee the keys to this kingdom, which is the church. I will build my church. Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. The church is the kingdom. Kingdom is the church. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So the house of God, the church of God, is the kingdom of God. It's all the same. It's where God reigns. It's where God rules. It's where God's family is. Jesus said, I will build my church. What is it? It's the kingdom. You can get into it. He started doing it with the preaching of John the Baptist. But it wasn't fully built. It wasn't fully completed. He was in the process of building that marvelous church, that kingdom, that house. He completed building that house, that church, that kingdom, when the old covenant was totally fulfilled and destroyed. That's what he said. We just read it in Luke chapter 21. When you see Jerusalem compass with armies, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Why? That's where God's presence was with his old covenant people at that time in the temple in Jerusalem. And when that's destroyed, God's done with the old covenant people. They're no longer his old covenant people. The old covenant now is put down. And now you receive a kingdom. Luke 21 verse 20 through 32, but this is a kingdom that's not in the process of being built. It is a completed, furnished, fully developed kingdom. And it's eternal where all men who want to enter into a relationship with God can enter into it. So they had it with the preaching of John, but it would come in its entirety in its finished state when Jerusalem would fall when the old covenant would die. Now, quickly, friends, that's Genesis 1 and 2. That's Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 of the kingdom that God was building back then. God was bringing a new kingdom. Why? People on the planet were in darkness. And people say, oh, Steve, that's, that's ridiculous. There weren't other, any other people. All the apostle John would beg to differ with you. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 1 said, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended at night. The light that was in the beginning of the creation where God started first talking, where He said, Let there be light, and the light shined in the darkness. The Apostle John says, that it was for the light of men. You see that? It's on your screen, people. Now, you say, no, there were no men. The Apostle John says, yeah, there were men. (laughs) 
They were in darkness. They weren't in the, they were living in sin. They were living in debauchery. They did not want a relationship with God. They did not want God's word to lighten their paths. <clears throat> they were living by their own desires and their own lusts. They wanted nothing to do with the Lord. They were in darkness. So God brings his word. The word now shines light in the darkness. And John said that darkness was men. That's Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. 1 through 5. I get into great detail in this in some of my other videos. Go back and watch them. But, couldn't I say the same thing? Didn't Jesus say the same thing about the beginning of the kingdom that he came to build? That since the preaching of John... The kingdom of God is preached, and all men everywhere presseth into it. Luke 16, 16. Okay, yeah. Well, with the preaching of John, had it come in its entirety and its fullness? No. Was that the beginning of the building of it? Yes. Well, that's exactly what John in John chapter 1 is telling us. In fact, in fact, children, watch this carefully. The very next verse in John chapter 1 there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Are, are, you, are you seeing this? John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5, John says, In the beginning of the creation of the world was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. There wasn't anything made that wasn't made without him. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Well, that's exactly Luke 16, 16, because John here is talking about the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, what the light was. And it's talking about its inception, its beginning process stage of being built. Oh, there was a man, man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. That's when this beginning process began with the New Testament, and that's how it began in the first, the beginning creation of Genesis chapter 1. There's a beginning building process going on here, a proleptical and already but not yet thing. God is building his church in Genesis chapter 1. He's building the foundation. He's bringing it in incrementally. Day by day by day by day, he's bringing in more information. He's bringing in more light. He's bringing in more understanding to people that they could get into this special covenant relationship with him. That's exactly how it went down in the New Testament. Children, are you listening to me? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the apostle Paul said, that they were still waiting for more revelation of God to come. And when it would all be revealed, then the miraculous gifts would end. They were still getting it piece by piece by piece by piece. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Paul did not say, we have it all right now. He couldn't say that because they didn't. Now, when Paul wrote this, this is approximately 60 AD, okay? 
the old covenant was still being, excuse me, the new covenant was still being revealed by God to his disciples. It had not yet been fully written down in a book form. It had not yet been fully revealed. Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Well, they're in the building process, you see, of building the house of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says the same thing. Let's go there. It should be on your screen if you're following me in Rumble. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm just going to go ahead and begin verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, that's those who hold the miraculous office of these things, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul said, we have not yet all the knowledge that we need. We're still receiving this knowledge. It will come. It will give us a full unity in faith. It can give us a perfect or complete man. Unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul is saying here, we don't yet have the fullness of Christ. In fact, he's talking about the church of Christ. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 3, he's talking about the church being in the eternal mind of God. That it would be eternal. And that in this church, they were in this building process. And they know in part, and they prophesy in part, and it's being revealed to them, right? 1 Corinthians 13, 9. And now in Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about the perfecting of the body of Christ. And until they would have the fullness of the knowledge that God would reveal to them, that they would have, that would come later on in their lives and be fully revealed. We call it now the New Testament, when it's totally complete and it's done. When Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, folks, about A.D. 58, the New Testament had not yet been written. The book of Revelation had not yet been written. Written. It had not yet even been revealed, all of it. Now, John, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, is talking about comparing the New Testament kingdom to the kingdom that came in Genesis chapter 1. That's what he's doing. That's what he did. If that's true, and I believe the Apostle John over any man on this planet, then Genesis chapter 1 is the building transition process of bringing men out of darkness and getting them into the garden, getting them into the kingdom of God, where God's presence is with his people, where the tree of life is. That's what's going down, people. Genesis 1 is the already, is the not yet of the already in Genesis chapter 2. Right now, right now, right now, the very first thing I think of when I think of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ himself. He is the king. He is the Lord of lords. He is the master. He is the savior. He is everything. What did it take for that to happen? Well, he had to come and fulfill all the Old Testament. He had to reveal all of the New Testament. He had to give us instruction. In, so now, all of a sudden, 
as I think of it right now, in its finished state, Christ is at the top of that kingdom, isn't he? Yep. And then what comes underneath of that? Well, the word, the gospel, uh, the, the fruits of the spirit, all these wonderful things. Yep, yep, yep. And we're told not to eat the bad fruit. Yep, don't sin. Uh-huh. Eat all the good fruit you want. Joy, peace, love, mercy. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what goes down in Genesis 1 and 2. Let's go back there. Let's go back there now. Let's see if we can't make a little bit more sense of this. And if you're following me on Rumble, on the internet, it's on your screens. If you're at home with your Bibles, I'm in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to scroll all the way down, and we know he's talking about, you know, the events of um, making the light and the dark and, and the plants and, and the whales, and he's talking about, uh, making the beast, and then in verse 26, now, now I want you to get this carefully, friends. This this will knock your socks off if you have an open heart to understanding the truth of God's word. This is profound. Genesis 1, 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Did you get that? Let me repeat that. It's very important. Just follow me for a minute. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. Well, somebody says, well, yeah, that's God's creating mankind. Man, plural, mankind. And Adam is the first man, but this is, this is talking about a more general reference of mankind. No, no, no. And again, no. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. Are you ready? Start at verse 1. How's that? Genesis 5.1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Isn't that Genesis 1? Yes. Male and female created he them. Now watch it carefully, children. Are you listening? And blessed them and called their name Adam. In the day they were created. Whoa, wait a minute, Bayesden, wait a minute. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God created man, yep. Made man in his own image, yep. God created them male and female, yep. Are you saying, called their name Adam, yep. What does this mean? Well, how does this work? Well, first of all, this means Adam was in Genesis 1. The argument goes something like this. Since Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is two different creations, man may be a little bit different than Adam. God says, no, no, no. I'm talking to you about my creation of Adam, but now God says this. Male and female, both their names were Adam. 
Isn't that what we just read in Genesis chapter 5, verse 2? Call their name, male and female, Adam. Isn't that what it said? Yes. Is it true? Yes. Well, wait a minute, Basin. I thought her name was Eve. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, her name was Eve, but her name was Adam also. Well, Basin, now how can that be? How, what, what is all this? What are you talking about? Well, let me explain it this way, if I may. When I was born again, I became a new creation, and I became a Christian. I wear now the name Christian. When my wife was baptized into Christ, her name is now Christian. And the day that she was created new, in the image and the likeness of God, when she became born again, she received a new name, and her name is Christian. There's none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved than that of Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 4. None. You must be a Christian in the body of Christ. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 real quick. In Galatians chapter 3, and the verse I want to go to is verse number 26. Follow with me, folks. It is on your screen right about, I'm scrolling down. Galatians 3.26 is on your screen now. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Whoa! Did you get that? When people are baptized into Jesus Christ and they put on Christ, they're clothed with Christ. They have no nakedness that they're ashamed of. Their name is Christian. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. We wear a new name. We have a new state of being, a new state of existence. We're now into the body of Christ. Well, in the beginning when God made man in his own image, uh-huh, for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah, what they do? They heard the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Mankind's hearing the word. They're coming out of darkness into the light. Yep. And he was creating them a new creation. Male and female created the he, them, and called their name Adam. Like our name today as Christians is Christian. Their name then, as faithful to God, was Adam. Or may I say, Adamites. They were of Adam. Like we are of Christ. They're in the religion of Adam. Like we are in the religion of Christ. And somebody says, well, Steve, that's just ridiculous. No, 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 no. That's exactly what the Bible's teaching. 
In Genesis 1, God is creating the kingdom of Adam. He's creating this special religion where people could be in his sanctuary, in his garden, where they could walk with him and talk with him. But God's a spirit. He's not a physical entity. He's making a spiritual kingdom in Genesis 1. And he called its name Adam. Male and female created he them, and their name was Adam. My goodness, it's profound. It's amazing. Now, this takes away their argument in many regards, because one of the arguments is, well, Adam's not until Genesis 2, and man is Genesis 1. There's some kind of a distinction. Genesis 5-2 takes all that away, settles that. God's right. You're wrong. The man that God's creating in Genesis 1 is male and female. He's creating the body of Adam, the religion of Adam. That's exactly what he's creating there. God said so. John explains it in John 1. Paul explains it all throughout his writings. Read Romans 1 about what they were doing in the beginning of the creation. Go back and look at some of my other videos, and you'll see what was going down back then and what was happening and how the creation of the trees and of the grass of the field and the sun, the moon, and stars, how all of those things were spiritual in their understanding of those who understand it correctly and properly. Remember, the Apostle Paul said, the invisible things from the creation, from the very beginning of the creation of the world, can clearly be seen by those things which were made, even his eternal power and Godhead. The what things? The invisible things God made from the creation of the world. Oh no, Steve, they weren't invisible. They were real trees. Ezekiel said the trees that were in the Garden of Eden to God were nations. Ezekiel 31. Now, are you going to say that Ezekiel lied too? The man, the body of Adam that is being created in Genesis 1 is the religion of Adam. It's the house of God. It's the kingdom of God that was made. It was the new heaven and new earth of that time. Now today, in Revelation chapter 21, the Bible teaches us that the new heaven and earth for us today is the bride of the Lamb. That's the church. That's what it is. If the new heaven and the new earth is the church, and it's been here for 2,000 years, people, then we already have it. It's been here for 2,000 years. And then it says, when we get the new heaven and the new earth, which is the church, which has already come, he said the first heaven and the first earth would be done away. What's the very first heaven and earth you can read about in the Bible? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Oh, that's going to be done away? Yep. Why? Because it's not the physical planet, folks. It's not that. It's the body of Adam, the covenant of Adam, the religion of Adam. Jesus came to cure the death of Adam. You know what that means, children? Let me break this down. If the death of Adam is still occurring, and that was the spiritual death of Adam, by the way, God told Adam, in the day you eat, that day you shall surely die. And Adam and Eve partook of that fruit. And they did not die physically. God took them, put them outside the garden, and clothed them with animal skins. And then they lived and had children. 
That's a whole other story. But the truth is, the death that Adam experienced was sin death. He sinned. God separates him, put him, puts him outside of that garden into a place where he's dead to God now. A place where he cannot come back to God at that time yet. Until a Savior would come and redeem him of his sins, which is Jesus. So Jesus came to cure the death of Adam. That's Revelation chapter 22. That's 1 Corinthians 15. It's all throughout the New Testament. But here's what this means even more emphatically. The law that Adam was under must have still been active or there could be no death of Adam. Spiritual death is transgression of God's law. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.3, excuse me, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, there John would write that sin is transgression of God's law. So transgressing God's law brings about death. Jesus came to cure the death of Adam. That means Adam's law must have still been there operating, the law of Adam. Somebody says, no, 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 it was the law of Moses. No, no, no. Galatians 3 clearly explains that the law of Moses was added to the law, the law of Adam. And he explains that very emphatically in Romans chapter 5, where the apostle Paul is explaining the death of Adam there and how that by one man death entered into the world, and that came by sin. And so by Christ all that sin, death, could be eliminated. Am I going over your heads? Am I going too hard? Am I going too fast? Probably. Probably am. But let me tell you this, folks. Those who have been discussing this with me, arguing this with me, telling me that I'm all wet behind the ears, they know that there's a truth here that they cannot deal with. They know that if they want to cling like a desperate little wet puppy to a false doctrine of Genesis 1 and 2 being the creation of a physical planet, that they've just got to continue arguing silly arguments that will not work. In Genesis chapter 2, let's go back there now. So in Genesis 1, we have the creating of the body of Adam. In Genesis 2, it's on your screen now. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And I got into the Sabbath rest and other lessons. I'm not going there now. But God wasn't so old and tuckered out that he had to take a break because he was out of breath. Not that kind of rest. This is a spiritual rest where his creation... Adam and Eve, the body of Adam, is now at peace and harmony with God where there is no death, there is no pain, there is no tears. They're in Abraham's bosoms, metaphorically, so to speak. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he rested from his work that which God created and made. Now watch it carefully. Verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth. When they were created, in the day that God made the earth and the heavens, in the day that he did it, wait a minute, I thought it took them six days to make it. These are the generations 
plural, of the heavens and the earth. Well, I thought they were all made in a day. I thought heaven and earth was made in a day. Yeah, that's your problem. That's not mine. I get it. You don't. I get it big time. You don't. You can't. Let's continue, though. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, and the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed, etc., etc. You see the reverse of the creation being taking place here. Genesis 1, he creates the dust first, the earth, according to those who hold to a physical creation. But here, the, the dust of the earth is mentioned last. It's after the other biological things that were made. Which is it? Do you have two creations now? That's what some people have argued. But wait a minute. It's all talking about what? The body of Adam, called their name, Adam, Genesis 5-2. Put them in a garden. Oh, his sanctuary? Yeah. His kingdom? Yeah. His church? Uh-huh. His family? You better believe it. Yep, 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 yep. Huh. Wow. Now, folks, if the Bible is 100% accurate, and the Bible's talking about the biological, physical creating of a physical, biological planet and a physical, biological garden of Eden. Then it just made a mockery of itself because it reversed the order of that creation. But if it is talking about a transition period of a prolepsis where God is bringing about his word Preaching of John, comparatively, yes. And with the preaching of John, men were entering into the kingdom, yes. But it was a continual building process until it would come in its fullness, yes. Genesis 1 is God revealing his word to people in darkness, and they were coming out while he was building and preparing his kingdom. They were coming out of darkness into the body of Adam. And then all of a sudden, the body of Adam is there in its fullness and its completeness in Genesis chapter 2. And now we have mankind in his garden. That's what's going down here in Genesis 1 and 2. That is the creation, the body of Adam in the beginning. Real quick, real quick. God takes... Opens up the flesh of Adam. Takes a rib from Adam and creates Eve. And the proclamation is made. You are now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Why? Because you are made of a rib. From a rib of Adam. From the side of Adam. Hmm. Isn't that exactly what happened with Jesus? 
When Jesus was hanging on the cross, didn't they stick a spear into his side and forthwith came blood and water, and that blood purchased his bride, the church? Oh, yeah. Out of the side of Adam came his bride. Out of the side of Jesus came his bride. Adam is a type of Christ. Paul said so in Romans chapter 5. But now follow me. Just watch. And a rib is a bone, is it not? Yes, it is. Well, in the book of Ephesians, follow me now. Children, are you with me? In the book of Ephesians, let me find it here. Uh, bam, it's up on your screen. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to go down to verse number 30. Watch this carefully. Ephesians chapter 5.30. Now, Paul is writing this to Christians at the church of Ephesus. Ephesians 5.30. And he tells these Christians this. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Oh! We are now members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Of their name, Adam and Eve. Adam? Yep. And you are now a bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh? Yep. Genesis 1? Yep. Well, what about Ephesians 5.30? We are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. Ah, oh, you mean we become a, a part of this family, a part of the bride? Oh, yes. You mean, <laughs> you mean... The flesh doesn't literally mean skin? Well, let me just ask you this question. Are you in the literal skin of Jesus Christ? Are you, are you in the literal bones of his skeletal body? Where is the physical body of Christ? Are you in that somehow? No, 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 and again, no. Any honest man, woman, or child on this planet who can think beyond the end of their nose. And I think a lot of people are like Eskimos. They have no nose, hardly. They're not, it's so flat, you can't even think past that. The body of Christ is metaphorical. The spiritual body. The flesh of Christ is metaphorical. The spiritual flesh. The bones of body, uh, uh, the bones of Christ is metaphorical. Not physical bones. The same exact thing is true in Genesis chapter 1 when God created Adam and Eve. Now, somebody says, well, Steve, why still can't that be physical man? Because that's the first man that God created and he said their name was Adam. That's why. The light that was shining in that world at that time, John said, was Jesus Christ, not physical light. The darkness wasn't physical darkness. It was people in darkness, men in darkness. John chapter 1 verse 4 says it emphatically. If anybody wants to debate me on this, I'm your huckleberry. Please let me know. I would be more than happy to clean your clock on this topic anytime you want or any other topic that I teach on. And I'm not saying that arrogantly, people. I'm saying that with the greatest degree of confidence that a man can have because I'm sure the Apostle Paul said we could be sure in what we know. Well, if me being sure in what I know causes you to think ill of me, that's your issue and your problem, not mine. 
because I'm sure of what I've studied, because I'm sure of what God has said, because I can put scripture together with scripture in a harmonious way where everything harmonizes perfectly that explains everything to the nth degree. Like when Cain was, Cain said, you have banished me from off of the face of the earth. In Genesis chapter four, God didn't put him on Pluto. He didn't take him off the face of the earth. He took him away from his from his presence. Where did Cain go? He went to the land of Nod. What did Cain do there? He got a wife and started having children. Wait a minute. At this time in the Bible, there was only three people, if you take it biologically, physically. There was only Adam and Eve and Cain. Cain had killed Abel already. But Cain went to the land of Nod. Found himself a woman, got hitched. Started having a family, his own family. Wow. All of a sudden now, these things are totally and completely explained. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth in the day that God created them. Ha! Explained. Go out and replenish the face of the earth. Explain. You can't replenish it unless it was already had a plenishing to start with. You can't replenish it. Be fruitful. Multiply. Go out and replenish the earth. Somebody says, oh, well, I don't know, but uh, it's physical people and Adam and Eve were the only two, and I don't know. Well, I do know. I'm sure, I'm confident of these things. God did not expect Adam and Eve to have physical, biological children, and then those children, those brothers and sisters, get together in an incestuous relationship to start procreating. God forbids that. God does not allow sinful things to take place so that grace may abound. God forbids that. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. And that's how the people want to think, though. And they think that they're some kind of biblical scholars and that they're brilliant because they, they've memorized a few passages. They, they impress a few people. And then somebody comes around and tells them the truth and they think, oh, what an idiot he is. He, he doesn't believe Genesis 1 is the, is the beginning of the creation. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. It is the beginning of the creation of God's spiritual world where he lives and reigns in his body in a relationship. But it's not what you believe, the creation of a physical planet. It is not, cannot be that. Period. Nine fifty-seven. My, my, oh my. Where does the time go? Listen, folks. If you want to get in touch with me, I would love it. My phone number is two three one four two five six zero four four. I hope and I pray. That you have found this message to be enlightening and encouraging. I hope and I pray that you want more information. I hope and pray that you continue to study God's word and you study yourself out of the ridiculous mindset that has so saturated our planet that it's all about our carnality, our physical existence and our physical being and about literal physical things. Hope you come out of that into understanding the literal spiritual things. If I can help, I'm here for you. I'm the preacher that ministers at the Church of Christ, located at 3816 West Fountain Road. 3816 West Fountain Road, Ludington, Michigan, 49431. 
This morning, we'll be having our Bible study beginning at 10.30 a.m. And at 11.30 a.m., we begin our worship service. And I want you to know you are all welcome and you would all be our honored guest, whosoever of you can come. Let them come and drink of the water of life freely. Because we're going to be given it. That's what we do. And if you want to call me, my phone number is 231-425-6044. That's 231-425-6044. I hope you call. I hope you take to heart some of the message that we gave today. If you notice, what I did is I took the Word of God and harmonized it. I did not break it apart. Did not mutilate it. Call me, 231-425-6044. Love to talk with you. Y'all have a wonderful day.